Ecclesiastes chapter 7. We're going to start to read at verse 11. For those who uh, are visiting tonight, we've been in a study of this book for a few weeks. I could not say how many, because I don't know, but uh, it's been a little bit. But we're in the middle of chapter 7, and a text tonight that, frankly, I found it a little challenging uh, just to try to grasp all that was here, and uh, don't know if I grasped it all yet, but we will see uh, what we can learn, and uh, yet some, I think, you know, it's interesting, this morning we were talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and we were on joy and peace, and then that song, and it seems like there's a theme going on here this uh, today, uh, which often is the case, the Lord puts these things together, I, I certainly can't orchestrate it. But let's begin to read it. Verse 11 says, Wisdom is good with an inheritance, and by it there is profit to them that see the sun. For wisdom is a defense, and money is a defense. But the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? In the day of prosperity be joyful, but in the day of adversity consider. God also hath set the one over against the other, to the end that man should find nothing after him. All things have I seen in the days of my vanity. There is a just man that perisheth in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man that prolongeth his life in his wickedness. Be not righteous overmuch, neither make thyself overwise. Why shouldest thou destroy thyself? Be not uh, overmuch wicked, neither uh, be thou foolish. Why, should, why shouldest thou die before thy time? It is good that thou shouldest take hold of this, yea, also from uh, this withdraw not thine hand, for he that feareth God shall come forth of them all. Wisdom strengtheneth the wise more than ten men which are in the city. And then we're going to stop at that point tonight. And if you would, let's bow for prayer. Father, as we gather around your word tonight, we again acknowledge and feel our need for your help. Um, Lord, as I say, um, I need help in just understanding these scriptures and, Lord, what we're to gain from them and how to apply this. We know there's much profit in all of the scripture and, Lord, we want to profit from it tonight. So we ask you to teach us, to help us. And, Father, that you would just bless this time with your presence. And may our hearts glorify you as we respond to what we learn from you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I titled this message, uh, When Things Go Wrong, um, as they often do. <laughs> I was thinking back of a, uh, there's a famous vacation that my family took many years ago. And it's famous because, not because it was to an exotic destination or that it was to some, uh, you know, very, very memorable kind of place that we visited, uh, it was a nice place. It was actually Christina Lake. 
That's that's uh, as far away as we would get. Oftentimes, when the children were small, uh, for a vacation, we'd sneak off to Syringa or Christina Lake or something like that. And uh, we didn't have. It was it, we, our family was all at home at the time, all four children, but they were not little children. I think Josh might have been, you know, an elementary school age, perhaps. Do you remember this vacation, Josh? I don't know how old he was, but um, the other ones were a little bigger. And so uh, we'd kind of given up on trying to put everybody in a tent. So I, our, my in-laws, Pet, Betsy's parents, had a, a camping trailer. It wasn't large either, but it, it was sufficient for us at the time. It was a big old heavy, you know, one of them old style that just, they weren't, it wasn't big, but they just weigh tons and tons. Anyway, we pulled it over the, the mountain, got up to Christina Lake, and uh, I also have an old motorboat that we pulled over. And, you know, you, you probably a lot of you have seen my boat. It's, it's looked the same for the last hundred years. But um, it, it is old. And it's funny, when you go to Christina Lake, it's half of Alberta's there. And all the Albertans have these beautiful boats. And my family, we would go come up to the dock and all my kids would hide their head, you know. Because, <laughs> we looked like the Beverly Hillbillies coming in. Purely with all, you know, six of us and the dog and all of our stuff piled in this little boat and we're putt, putt, putt up to the, the dock. And, and uh, but we were camping and we were having a great time. And I don't remember the sequence of events, how, in other words, the, how this all chronologically came about, but there was, there was a number of things that happened. I think it was on the way over, uh, the, the boat trailer, we heard this noise and the wheel and it was making a lot of grinding noise and the bearing was going out of it. And so that was the first thing I had to do was get to camp and pull the wheel apart and pack the bearings and so on. And then uh, one of the excursions we were out on the lake Betsy was pulling somebody, I think it was Joshua, was it Joshua, in the tube. We had a tube she pulled him around with and tried to dump him off, you know, that kind of stuff. And I watched, their, I was sitting on the shore watching, and um, they were out there. Next thing, they slowed down, and, and then they were like just making circles and kind of driving strangely. <laughs> and finally, my wife got to the shore, and she said the steering's broke on the boat. <laughs> And uh, the cable had broke. So I, we were way up the lake, a long way from the boat launch. So I, I, had, to, I had an old oar, uh, just a tin little oar. And I took it and I got some duct tape and I wrapped up the motor and I made a, a tiller, you know, to turn the, the thing. Well, I don't know, this is a 90 horse motor. And if you ever tried to hold on to one of those, when it just wants to go one way. And really, it took a lot of strength to get us straight back to the boat launch, and we finally got it back to the thing. Then a storm arrived uh, one evening, and I mean, it was looking dark and windy, and, and thunder and lightning was coming, so it, things were starting to come off the trees, and I said to the family, let's get in the truck and go into town. So we ran into Christina Lake and found a place to huddle down. And then we came back, and uh, partway back to the campsite, there was a power line on the ground. We had to sit and watch that for a while. We finally got back and sure enough there was a tree on top of our trailer. My father-in-law's trailer. <laughs> uh, thankfully it was one of those big old heavy tanks. It didn't, the tree didn't, you know, really dent it all that badly. But, but anyway, uh, it was just like that the whole time. One thing after another. 
And it became, you know, it was like the kids were like, what else could happen? You know, what can go wrong next? And it's just one of those things where everything went not the way we planned. And, you know, uh, although those, those things happened, we did say, even at the time, we said, you know, this is one vacation we'll never forget. And uh, it, it's funny, those memories, we laugh about them, we think about them, and uh, we smile and stuff. But, you know, life often does that. It goes not the way we plan. And things can quickly go wrong. And what do you do when things go wrong? And how do you explain when things go wrong? And all of those questions, you know, we often ask them, we often puzzle about things, we often uh, get upset about that kind of stuff. And yet we learn from this scripture that we read tonight that uh, the wisdom of God really is the greatest thing that we can hang on to in those times when we go through these type of situations. Uh, Wisdom is Solomon, who wrote Ecclesiastes. He also wrote, uh, of course, under the inspiration of God, the book of Proverbs, which is known as the book of wisdom. And, you know, in that book, Solomon says it over and over again, that wisdom is the principal thing. And all you're getting, get wisdom and get understanding. And the fact, you know, we, we, we all know that uh, we need more wisdom. It doesn't matter how long you've lived. Uh, we need more and more all the time. But just knowing what we know about God and hanging on to those things will help us. So I, I put down a few things, just some points to try to help us work our way through this. Uh, first of all, I put down these simple words, be secure. And uh, we see that security comes from wisdom. We notice in verse 11 and 12 that, again, that wisdom is good with an inheritance. And by it, there is profit to them that see the sun. And he says wisdom is a defense and money is a defense. So there's kind of a, a, a contrast here. Uh, in ver- chapters before, we, you know, the, he's talked a lot about money and how uh, the trust in money is vanity. You know, that, that people that try to find their hope in, in material things uh, will be disappointed. And... Yet money is an answer. It is a defense. And so um, he's contrasting this. Now, I don't want to, I want to say, first of all, that, um, you know, we do need money in the world, right? We live in a world that that operates on money and so on. So it's it's sort of one of those necessary evils, like we say, a necessary thing. But let me show you something from Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 20. Just turn back to that for a moment. Proverbs 21, 20. And he says, There is a treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise. But a foolish man spendeth it up. So that verse, of course, uh, gives you the idea that uh, a wise person, wisdom, you know, gives us some uh, discernment or some discretion about use, use of money, not being frivolous with it, not being, uh, you know, the, to understand the value of a penny or a value of a dollar, they used to say. The value of a penny, I guess, is nothing nowadays, is it? We don't even have them anymore. But um, this, you know, not spending it up, not being 
foolish or frivolous with money is, is wise. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with saving money for a rainy day. There's nothing wrong with uh, planning ahead, with uh, pre- preparation uh, for those kind of things. Let me show you another scripture in Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. Proverbs 6, 6, he says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. This is an interesting verse. He's talking to a sluggard, which is a word that uh, we might not use today, but uh, sluggard is, is the lazy person, the slothful, the one, you know, sluggish has that idea of just being lazy or not moving with much energy or much purpose. And he says, you need to take a lesson from an ant. The ants are uh, very industrious. They're always moving. They're always on the go. That's why you see them at all picnics or whatever. You know, they show up because uh, they're always working and they're always doing something. Isn't it interesting when you watch nature, whether it's insects or uh, animals, uh, occasionally you might see them playing or just goofing off. Uh, I've watched some squirrels and stuff, you know, just kind of having fun sometimes. But they're usually very busy. They're usually always uh, doing something productive. And this is, a, this is what he's saying. Go to the ant and consider her ways and be wise, which have no guide or uh, guide, overseer or ruler. Nobody's driving them. Nobody's, you know, out there uh, making them do something. And yet... They provide her, he provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. So what, I, what that shows you is that, you know, again, there's, there's some wisdom in preparation. There's some wisdom in planning. There's wisdom in uh, saving. There's wisdom in those things. Not to be like some of the teenagers that I've taken on trips. And we get to a mall and, you know, mom's given them an, an, a certain amount of money. And uh, I've watched this happen, and I, I laugh at it still. Because I get to the small, and they totally blow every dime of it on candy, mostly, or on food, right? The food court is the most popular place whenever your kids go. Now, the girls might. They go shopping and, you know, look in the windows and all that. The guys head right for the food court. And uh, they, you know, eat ice cream, and they eat stuff all the, and then their money's gone. But then they forget that, hey, we were going to... The one I'm thinking of, we were going to a camp. And at the camp, they had a canteen where they also sold, sold snacks. But now they're out of money. And uh, all the rest of the camp, they're, they're upset. Or they're borrowing money or something like that. And so they didn't plan. They didn't think ahead. They, all they saw was, here's... A, you know, and so many times that we're like... The, the society we live in is geared this way. Where uh, you have to have all these things and you have to have them immediately. Uh, rather than saving, rather than maybe putting, you know, things away and buying them, not on credit, but on, you know, with cash and this sort of thing. And, and that's not really the lesson tonight. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, there's wisdom in that. Money is an answer. Uh, look at chapter 10, verse 19, for a second. Back in Ecclesiastes, chapter 10. I'm sorry if you're still in Proverbs. Uh, Ecclesiastes 10. Remember that Solomon's talking about uh, you know, under the sun and the wisdom of man without God and so on. And he makes an interesting statement here in chapter 10, verse 19. A feast is made for laughter 
and wine maketh merry, but money answereth all things. Isn't that interesting? Money answers all things. That, that's the way the world thinks. Money is the answer to all things. But yet we also have learned that covetousness, um, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil. So going back to what we started with here in verse 12 of our text, chapter 7, he says wisdom is a defense and money is a defense. So you can think about you know, money as that's what's going to defend you, that's what's going to get you out of trouble, that's what's going to be the answer. And there is some wisdom to saving and so on, but money is not the best defense. There's a better answer. And that answer is wisdom. And using money with knowledge. He says, but excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. So the first thing I see here is that, uh, again, all through this, this is going to be the answer. Wisdom is more important than money even. Wisdom is, you know, God's wisdom. In other words, uh, just understanding uh, the things of the Lord is the best defense, it's the best, uh, the best friend or help in time of trouble when things go wrong. When things go wrong, when that vacation went wrong, um, you know, yeah, there was things that needed fixed, things that needed repaired, things that cost some money. And we could do that, but it was the wisdom that kept us from not having a good time, you know, because we really did have a good time. Despite all of those issues, we were able to enjoy that vacation because wisdom teaches us to live from a divine perspective. So be secure. Secondly, be surrendered. Let's look at verse 13. He says, consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? Um, why is a banana bent? <laughs> why is a rainbow bowed? Well, because God made it that way, right? That's the only answer. Why is it that way? I don't know. God made it that way. Um, you know, why are certain animals' horns or antlers bent or twisted or something? And you might say, well, you know, probably they're... They're more useful that way. I always, I always think it's, I don't know what's the word. It's sad in a way, but I want to say it's, it's funny. Uh, when people look at, we were talking about, Richard and I were talking earlier and, and his family about um, Drumheller. And uh, we got talking about science and evolution and things like that. And I always think it's strange that evolutionary science wants to look at these things and go, why, why is this you know, in nature this way. And then they, they come up with this theory that, uh, well, it didn't start that way, but it evolved that way because somehow evolution knew it would be better if this could happen, and, and so it made it happen. You know, it's like, how does, that, how does that even make sense? But God made things the way he made them, and I'm sure he had purposes. But I don't know sometimes what those purposes are. Why is the banana shaped the way it is? Well, who knows? I don't know. It's just what God made. And um, that's really what's kind of getting at the heart of here. Who can make it straight? Well, 
sometimes there's things that God has uh, made that way and we can't straighten it out. And you know, life sometimes throws us curves. Why do some days go, everything goes wrong? <laughs> Why are some days seem to be really crooked? It goes off course. Um, it goes sideways. He says in verse 14, In the days of prosperity, be joyful, but in the days of adversity, consider. You know, some days are days of prosperity and some days are days of adversity. And we always kind of want to know, especially the adversity ones. We, we don't question the prosperity ones. We're like, oh, those are great. Let's just keep them coming. We don't know why or care why. We just like that it's happening. But when they go the other direction, then we're like, hmm, we've got to consider what's going on here. And, you know, the Bible, when we have the wisdom of God, sometimes there are answers. Uh, you know, sometimes we learn from the scripture that some adversities come as a consequence of chastening, right? There, there are times when God chastens his children. Chastening means to correct, to, you know, uh, in, when they're going wrong, when we've sinned, we've, we've gotten out of the will of God. God may bring uh, chastening in our life to get us back on track. We see that in the scripture. We see it in uh, Hebrews 12, talks about the chastening of the Lord, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Um, David, you know, sinned with Bathsheba, and, and uh, sadly, the child that she uh, bore died uh, as a result of the judgment, the chastening of God upon that. And so, sometimes there, that you know, that that might be uh, what brings adversity. We're to consider what what the reason is. Um, sometimes it might be a, a teaching situation. You know, when you think about the, the story of Job. Why did Job go through what Job went through? Well, we see that God was uh, doing something there for his glory, and we, we learn lessons from Job. God gives us a kind of a uh, behind-the-scenes sort of uh, view of that story. So we can understand a little bit. Job didn't see it like we see it. We, we, you know, we have a vantage point that Job didn't have himself. He didn't know why he was going through it. We got to see what God was doing, some in the Scripture. But God was teaching us. And, you know, there's that scripture in, I think it's 2 Corinthians, where he talks about um, that, you know, you can comfort others with the comfort wherewith you were comforted. And what's, what's that mean? That means, you know, I went through something and, and God brought me through it and God taught me and God comforted me. And now somebody else is going through that and I can give them my testimony of how, what the Lord taught me, the comfort that I found. And it might be a blessing. Sometimes there's the teaching aspect of these things. Um, there's a purifying effect of adversity we read about. For example, 1 Peter 1.7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Christ. You know, in John 15, the Lord taught about... Um, you know, you, I am the vine, you are the branches. And, and he talked about how God would prune or purge those branches so they might bring forth more fruit. So those are some reasons why adversity comes. Growth, uh, like in James, you know, where he says, count it all joy. But there are times when things are crooked and we can't make them straight, things go sideways, 
And we might ask the question or consider why, and, and the fact is we don't have an answer as to why. That, that's not satisfying, but it's often the case. And it's true that, uh, you know, sometimes a lot of people ask me, Pastor, why did this happen? You know, you're a pastor, you're supposed to have the answer to these things because, you know, they just feel like, uh, I don't know, that we should know these things. And, you know, sometimes those who know the scriptures well, they can, they can find answers in the Bible, but there's, there's many things that the Bible doesn't give us an answer for. And I don't have that answer. If the Bible doesn't have it, you know, doesn't give it to us, then I certainly am not going to be able to answer it any more than you. Sometimes I'd say to my wife, your guess is as good as mine, you know. And that's the truth. And, and I think that's what he's getting at. Look what he says in verse 15. He says, you know, I've seen some uh, righteous men who perish in the righteousness and some wicked men that, you know, in other words, you know, some good men who live good and yet they die young. And some that are living wrong and wicked and they prolong their life in wickedness. And we've all seen that. I mean, we can talk about examples. I, I think about some missionaries I've read of. Um, one that comes to mind is, um, his name was William Borden. Some of you know that story. He was heir to the Borden Dairy. And he gave his life to go to the mission field. Young man, I don't know exactly his age, but he was young. And he boarded a ship and, and crossed the ocean and to go to the mission field. And he, on the route, he got sick and he, he died. Like even before he even got, you know, to be a missionary. And we would look at that and go, boy, what, why would God do that? What is that all about? And the truth is, I don't know why. But he did say, if one, the testimony of William Borden was he, he, he found his Bible and he had written in it something, and I can't, I can't remember exactly, but it was something you probably know of the story. Um, he said no, uh, there was a couple statements, but at the end he said no regrets. You know, David Brainerd is another uh, great Christian you read about in history, died at the age of 29. Robert Murray McShane was a famous Scottish preacher. He was also 29 when he died. Died young. And these were, you know, uh, people that, <laughs> they're pointing at Cam. Cam turned 29 today. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, he's still with us. But uh, <laughs> I was wondering why they're, why are they pointing at Cameron? Um, there's not a pattern that I want to make a note of. But my point is that, you know, why would, and yet you see people like, I just read not long ago, Mick Jagger had a birthday and he's 79 or something. You know, it's like, why, how are these guys still alive, you know? You wonder, right? And so people question, why? What, is, what are we to take from that? And again, it's just like the rainbow. Why is it a bow? Well, I don't know. God just made it that way. And why do sometimes life turn out the way it is? Because, you know, like I said, sometimes you can see reasons. But there's a lot of times. When I see a, a godly Christian, none of us are perfect, but, you know, they're serving the Lord, they're being faithful, uh, nothing in their life that we could point to. Uh, and yet, they seem to just have one bad event after another, after another, like Job. 
And then you watch another Christian and they're good, godly people and their life just seems to sail on without any rough waters. And you say, well, what is the, you know, it doesn't seem equal. Well, it's not equal. God never promised us equality in that sense. We're equal in the sense that, you know, He loves us and so on. But as far as uh, all of that, so my, my point is just simply that. Uh, Whittier said, life is strange with its twists and turns as every one of us sometimes learns. Even these things make strange things and we have no idea why. <laughs> you know, insurance companies uh, usually have in their policy in the fine print somewhere, uh, they, they put in there, you know, you're insured except for these acts of God, right? The acts of God that just happen and and people, you know, humans have no control over them. Things like floods and earthquakes and volcanoes and fires and so on. We have no control over them and, they, and sometimes it seems very random to us. And honestly, they, they many times are. But what do we do? What does wisdom tell us? Well, wisdom says, I can sing through the shadows and sunshine. My Father planned it all. Right? That's what the wisdom, you know, money can't answer that. But our wisdom, the wisdom we find in the scripture is that I don't understand why, but I know God knows. And God's still on the throne. And God still has a plan. So he says, be secure, be surrendered to the sovereign will of God. And then be sensible, verse 16. Be not righteous over much. Neither make thyself overwise. Why shouldest thou destroy thy life? These are the verses that are kind of a little more even puzzling to me a little bit. But he says, be not over much wicked, neither be thou foolish. So first he says, be not righteous over much, and be not over much wicked. The best I can come up with that is one uh, paraphrase, put it this way, be not overly righteous in the sense that when life takes a turn, don't act like you know it all. You know, sometimes, uh, and sometimes well-meaning Christians, you know, when somebody does go through a hard time, and they come to that Christian and they want to know why, it's, it's, it's never satisfying to give them the answer of, I don't know. You know, they never want that answer and you don't like giving that answer. So they, they come up with some answer. Well, I know what it is. And I've heard some really, I want to say stupid, but that's not what the word is supposed to be. I've heard some really uh, insensitive and foolish things that people have said. Um, somebody one time told me that my uh, son had uh, a bad skin condition because because my grandfather was a Mason. That's what he told me. I was like, yeah, I don't think that's actually the reason. But, you know, um, you know it's, it's, it's silly things that people come up with. And so, wisdom sometimes is to say, I don't know. But God is still in control. And just trust the Lord. So don't be overly pious um, in these things. And, Make yourself wise. And on the other hand, don't be overly, uh, what do I want to say, fatalistic. You know, and just 
because you can't figure it out, just abandon yourself to sin? You know, sometimes atheists are atheists, at least in name, because of some disillusion. You know, they, they, they didn't like this answer. They couldn't figure out, you know. I've heard, I've heard uh, atheists and other people say, well, I just have a problem with God. I don't, I don't understand Him. I don't understand why, if, if He ever existed, why He would do this. And therefore, I'm going to just try to pretend He doesn't exist. And sometimes Christians or believers and those who grew up in church, they get disillusioned, they get you know, something hard in their life and they go through things that are bent and twisted and, and uh, they can't find answers and so they just say, well, I'm just going to abandon everything and just live for myself. And that's not the answer either. The answer is to trust the Lord. We've never had this much trouble with this thing. Am I doing something wrong? I don't know. Um, so, what's, what's the answer? Verse 18, he says, It is good that thou shouldest take hold of this. Yea, also from this withdraw not thy hand, for he that feareth God shall come forth. In other words, don't be overly pious, don't just abandon faith, but hang on to wisdom. Because that's the ones who are going to come out on the winning side. Hold tight, hold fast to the wisdom of just trusting God. Alright, so last of all, be strong, verse 19. Wisdom strengtheneth the wise man more than ten mighty men which are in the city. So again, wisdom gives us the strength, God's wisdom, to go through dark times. You know, sometimes um, people might post something on Facebook or something, you know, and, and they just said, uh, I, got a, I got a job, I just got a new job. And somebody comments, God is good, right? And somebody might post, uh, I, I was able to buy a house. And the comment is, God is good. Or I just got a clean bill of health from my doctor. God is good. Well, what if you didn't get a clean bill of health? What if you lost your house? What if you didn't get that job? Is God still good? Yeah. Yes, I mean, it's not wrong to say God is good in those good times because God is good, but He's always good. And the wisdom that strengthens us is to understand that God is good in the good times and God is good in the bad times. When things go right and when things go wrong, God is still always good. So you hold on to the wisdom and it will strengthen you in the day when things go wrong. Because life is like a roller coaster. You know, it has its ups and downs, it has its twists and turns. And when you you know you can never be sure of life, but you can always be sure of God. And that's that's basically I think what the main point that uh, this passage is getting to is when you know things that are bent and things that are this way, and some die young and some live on. And what do you make of all that? Well, just hang on to wisdom that tells us that God is still on the throne. God is still good. Um, 
you know, one thing you can always trust in is the Lord, that He'll always be good, He'll always love me, He'll never leave me or forsake me, and His promises are true. And everyone that, you know, has gotten away from God, one of the greatest promises and truths in the Bible that I, I mean, there's so many of them, I hate to maybe put one above the other, but it, it thrills my heart every time I realize that uh, whenever somebody turns to the Lord with a repentant heart, if they've been out of the will of God, you know, God says, I will in no wise cast them out. He said, um, the broken and contrite heart, He always receives. He always invites us back. And so, I don't know what place you're in as far as on that roller coaster, if you're at the top or you're down in the valley or your life is in that spin cycle. Uh, I don't know where you're at tonight. Money has an answer for some things, but it doesn't answer everything. But God's wisdom and the Lord is the answer. So let's stand and we'll have prayer.